to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 230, recorded February 20th, 2016. So because we loved the ongoing so much and we're a little behind, we're going to go ahead and do issues 51 through 53 of that series. Right. Finish off their version of the Mirror Universe. Yet another version of the Mirror Universe, yes. So what do we have? uh, Issues uh, 2 and 3? And of then, that series, yeah. Exactly. And then we'll start uh, uh, another thread, another story. Um, right, which brought which in some, some more family that I did not know, some family relationships that I had not known existed. I, I completely agree. So this it's is, to me. it's another two-parter, and it involves uh, some Orions. Several Orions that we're aware of from the reboot Star Trek universe. Right. And bringing them together. Who knew they were such important Orions? Right. I just thought they were just random, random green people. Exactly. But no. Wannabe Hulks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a little, there's a little teaser for the end of the episode. Right. But first, we got to find out who this, uh, where this long-haired Khan might take us. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So, uh, yeah. So it's mirror universe time. Anything could happen. It's another dimension that does not have to be 100% like ours. So, nope. Uh, and it isn't. <laughs> so compare and contrast time, kids. So uh, shall we just begin? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I get to do the synopsis for 51. The title is Live, Live. And of course, again, the second live is kind of like inverted. Uh, like you'd look at it in a mirror. That's the kind of... They got like a reversed font kind of thing going. It was published uh, November 2015. Writer Mike Johnson. Story consultant Roberto Orsi. Art by Tony Chastain. Colors David Mastrolinardo. Letterer Neil Yataki. Editor Sarah Gatos. Cover A shows a broken sheet of glass with a bullet hole in it. The hole is lined up with Mr. Spock's right eye, who is standing on the other side of the glass. Kirk is standing behind Spock, looking at him with suspicion and concern. On closer examination, the Spock behind the broken glass is a hodgepodge of both our Spock and an evil Spock from yet another evil dimension. Tony Chastain created the cover. The subscription cover shows sassy, short-haired, evil Uhura, with one arm around Spock and the other holding a phaser to his belly. They are standing in a white Starfleet swoosh. Lorelei Bungies created the cover. Planet Aronia 2, at a broken-down-looking spaceport. The former captain of the ISS 1701 Enterprise is taking possession of some rare goods from, ha- from one Harry Mudd. 
the swindler mud is actually foolhardy enough to try to raise the price at the last minute on what the ex-captain is purchasing from him. Though they have had a long and productive business relationship, James T. Kirk apparently thinks Harry has outlived his usefulness. He terminates their relationship with a point-blank phaser shot to to the chest. Harry is dead long before he hits the ground. A man of manners to the end, Kirk thanks Harry, sincerely, and takes off in the ship he just purchased with blood. Meanwhile, on SETI Alpha 5, quite a different version of James T. Kirk is being invited inside a large cave by Singh. They don't trust each other, but the only way off the planet appears to be Singh's ship. Against McCoy's advice, Kirk follows Singh and sees the Botany Bay perched atop of launch supports and four liftoff nacelles sprouting out of her sides. Elsewhere on the bridge of the ISS Enterprise, our smooth-faced Spock is brought in manacled by his evil counterpart. Evil Spock's Evil Spock tells him his ship will be taken to Earth and rebuilt into a ship worthy of the Terran Empire. His crew will be interrogated and ultimately dealt with according to Imperial statutes. Spock observes that Evil Spock brought him here. Evil Spock explains he wants to interrogate him personally. Evil Spock asks how he came to be here. Spock Spock explains about the ion storm. Ahura cuts to the chase and says the strange Spock is an alternative version of them. But where is the other version of herself and Dr. McCoy? Spock explains they beamed down to the colony just before evil Spock blew it up. Evil Spock is visibly shaken by the name Kirk. Captain Kirk? Ahura tells evil Spock not to worry. Their Kirk is dead, as is theirs. Spock tells evil Spock that his captain has has demonstrated an amazing capacity for survival against apparently overwhelming odds. Evil Spock compliments him on his try to get him to turn the ship around to buy more time. He will not do it. They will continue on to their assigned destination, which he is well acquainted with. Vulcan. On the Botany Bay, as they break orbit... They confirm there is no sign of the Enterprise. Ahura reports her brief examination of the ship's records indicates Singh is telling the truth. Kirk says records can be faked. Singh says they are not. Singh says he is just a humble, peaceful colonist that needs to find a new home and chooses to believe Kirk and his party are not allied with the Empire that destroyed most of his colony. Finally, Ahura starts asking questions about what happened to the Enterprise and whatever attacked the colony. Kirk asks if Singh's sensors have picked up any trace of ships recently leaving the area. Singh says no signs, but he knows of a man that could help. A good man who helped him in the past. Kirk asks where to find him. Singh says the last bastion of freedom, resisting the tyranny of the Terran Empire. Kronos. Meanwhile, on the USS Enterprise, Evil Sulu is asking our Sulu, who is at the helm now, how long do they reach Earth? 
Sulu is annoyed by the horse's buttocks that is wearing his face and seated at the, at the con. Eighteen hours later. Thoroughly enjoying his temporary time as the captain of the Enterprise, evil Sulu sits back and relaxes. Meanwhile, in engineering, Keenzer and Archekov are in manacles, as an evil Scotty with a mustache is torturing our Scotty with an agonizer. Before he starts doing the same thing to Archekov, he is shot from behind through the lower neck and crumples to the ground dead. It's evil Chekhov, who intends to take over the ship and kill all the officers who outrank him. That way, he will become captain of this ship. He tells Scotty, Chekhov, and Keenzer to follow his orders, and they will continue to live. Meanwhile, the ISS Enterprise is orbiting around Vulcan. Evil Spock asks Good Spock if his Vulcan is noticeably different from theirs. Spock explains, in his reality, Vulcan was destroyed by a Romulan terrorist. Evil Spock and Uhura explain that there were rumors of the Romulans developing such a weapon. But when the Terran Empire conquered Romulan Empire and extinguished her population, they never found any trace of it. Spock asks, extinguished? Spock explains the Romulans could never be trusted after they were conquered. Given Spock's history, evil Spock conjectures he must find great satisfaction in seeing our home world again. Let us not delay. They take a shuttle down and see a lush green Vulcan. Nothing like the Vulcan Spock knew. Evil Spock explains the Terran Empire terraformed Vulcan after they conquered it, as, as they do with all worlds that they need. Why not have another productive world to contribute to their coffers? They land and meet with Sarek. Spock asks if his mother is still alive here. Cut to Quonos. Kirk, McCoy, and Ahura are following Singh as they make their way through bustling streets. Kirk says he believes he is in an alternate reality because he is still alive on a planet crawling with Klingons. They enter a Klingon building and meet with an old Klingon named Kakav that Singh is a good friend with. Singh introduces his associates. Kirk introduces himself as Jim Kirk. The Klingon's eyes are wide with disbelief. Kirk? How can this be? Another scruffy-looking figure steps up to the group, holding a shiny phaser. It's evil Kirk! As he raises his weapon and levels it at good Kirk's face, he tells Kakav... The real question is, given what I'm about to do, will I ever forgive myself? To be continued. So what's his name again? Uh, Kakav. That's, what I'm, that's how I'm doing it. It's K, uh, single parenthesis, or single quote, uh, no, parenthesis, uh, H-A-V. So I'm saying Kakav. So who is that supposed to be? Oh, I don't it, know. It, are I we supposed before. to know who it is? I don't think so. So I wonder why they didn't use the Klingon that we already knew. Like doing well, gore or somebody like that. <laughs> well, uh, maybe they figure we can't know everybody. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But these Mirror U- Universe episodes are notorious for throwing in people we already know, but making yeah. them opposite. So it, I would have liked to right. have Core or somebody. You knew. 
Yeah. Yeah. But this guy, yeah. Yep, they could have done that. But I wasn't too off-put by it. I mean, you can't know everybody. Right. Although, well, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And not everybody should exist in this universe because... People die. It, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so is everybody's parents going to meet and produce you in the exact same year in every single universe? I agree. You know, I, I agree. I don't think so. No. Especially since in this universe, they kill them off just to get promoted. <laughs> yeah, you'd think a lot of them are dead already. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, Pike is long dead. <laughs> right. I'm sure. Um, anyway. So, uh, heck of a cliffhanger, though. I wonder if we'll see uh, Winona Ryder in the next oh, yeah. issues. In the mirror universe. In the mirror universe, yes. They definitely left that open. Yet again, yeah, only, only this time, hopefully, she'll be alive. Well, let's As opposed so. to the last time, good Spock well, I mean, met her. Vulcan's still alive, so surely she's still alive. I, I agree. Well, I guess we'll find out. I did like the uh, I did like the Vulcan stuff. I thought that was good. Yeah, when they said they were going to Vulcan, it was like, okay, so this is obviously yet another uh, gimmick, right? You know, okay, oh boy, every other every other thing. Oh, Spock's going back to Vulcan yet again, like he did in the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover. But I kind of like what they did with it. Right, and they even and I didn't quite buy it where they talked about how uh, they heard a rumbling, or is it was it in this one? Yeah, it was in this one where he says that they heard a uh, that there was a Romulan uprising, and so they just destroyed all the Romulans. Was that is that in this one? Well, this one just this one just says that they wiped out all the Romulans because they didn't right. trust them. They, he well, didn't... they they wiped them out because. Yeah, there was some sort of uprising. You're assuming that meant Nero, but but how how would they have known that Nero was uh was back? Because I mean, I guess he came back when when to destroy the Kelvin. So did they destroy in this universe? Did they destroy all of Romulus around that time? I have no idea. I, mean, uh, I guess all, it would make all, sense. All I remember is that they said they just destroyed them because they didn't trust them. So they said it was because of an uprising. Okay. Um. So I mean, you're—I didn't even think of Nero. I mean, Nero never came to my mind. But maybe you saw more in what they said than I did. Maybe I didn't miss it, or maybe I missed it. Um, I thought that uh, I thought they said somewhere. Okay, so evil set. Yeah, evil so, Spock he says, says most curious. There were reports years ago Romulans were developing a weapon capable of such destruction. This yes, yeah, right. But nothing was found once the Romulan uh, Empire, was, Empire conquered was conquered by the Terran forces, and right. the population is extinguished. So it doesn't talk anything about uprisings. No, but it, but I guess it was talking about a Romulan terrorist, which is obviously Nero, since that's that's who destroyed Vulcan in in Prime Spock's universe. So anyway, well, so well, yeah, let's just say in this okay. universe, Nero came back <laughs> and destroyed the Kelvin, and then so they just completely wiped out all of all of the Romulan all of the Romulan Empire in one shot. Well, that that could, that is possible. I get none of that from what was said in the comic, this comic. But yeah, that oh. could have happened. Then where is Nero? Well, I don't know. They don't even talk about where, where's old Spock. <laughs> they don't talk about any of it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, since, since every since, 
since Evil Spock looks like Zachary Quinto, and this means <laughs> not Leonard Nimoy, it's that the mirror universe of that episode. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. There needs to be a Nero and there needs to be an old spot. Okay. Okay. Duh. I get. I, I get it. Fine. Nothing they say indicates that. But through your fine inferences, I I understand what you're saying. Cool. Yes. It's amazing how many times uh yeah. In all these universes they're running into reboot versions of themselves. Yes. And we're, and we're not seeing the original Kirk mirroring things. At least, well, yeah. not in these issues, but this is a reboot right. one. Right. Yeah, so, um, so I thought it was really cool seeing the Botany Bay with nacelles. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Quite an upgrade, huh? Right, and they're like the classic nacelles, not, uh, not the reboot universe's fancy-looking nacelles. Right, yeah. It looks, yeah, cylindrical. Uh, it's got the round part on the front and the and the kind of what do we this issue we don't see all that we just see the, like the top of the engines the top of the nacelles but yeah it definitely looks like a retro Taz era nacelles right. yeah it makes it look like a little bit like the phoenix a little bit like a, like a really exactly phoenix. which kind of makes more sense right yeah I liked it because I mean you yeah. would think that they had to cobble these warp drives together because it, it sounds like they were. Abandoned here on City Alpha 5, which shouldn't be a desert planet at this point, but we're just going to keep going with it. Yeah, um, well, there's a lot of squishiness in that whole story, <laughs> isn't it? Right. I mean, they're being treated like normal settlers. You know, they even have relationships with the Klingons. I mean, it's it's a different it's a different thing. But they're thing. still augmented from the 90s, I'm assuming. So yes. How'd that work? And how does he... <clears throat> and how does he not look, look like, like Ricardo Montalban? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah. All, all excellent questions. So are you happy to see evil Harry Mudd dead? You don't like you mean, Harry Mudd. What's his name? Michael Bean? No, no. <laughs> You're still on that. Yeah, That's what's funny. his name? I, I totally forgot his... I'm blinking on his name. Uh, no, it was, it's, yeah, so th- this was the guy that played Kyle Reese in the original Terminator movie. Yeah. yeah, he still looks like him to me. All the way up to when he dies, I'm like, that's still him? Uh, and that's Harry Mudd. Uh, with, with a lot of hair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nope, I'm still saying it's, uh, you know, it's, it's Ringo from... Ringo. <laughs> Look! Look at that chunky face. He's got chipmunk cheeks. <laughs> Although I, I will admit, not as much as uh, the original actor uh, that played Harry Mudd in the original Taz episodes. Right. Yeah, I was surprised he bought it that they killed him off. Um, I would have liked just just because I like to have some sort of continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, make reference to his. Bajoran daughter in some way, right? Who we uh, met many issues in, ago in and... the prime in the 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 reboot right. stories, yeah. And uh, I did like that the ship he stole is definitely the one from um, Into Darkness, Into the Darkness, Into Darkness, and it's from the last movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does kind of look like that, doesn't it? Right, um, but it should be and, the same one because that's he got, where it, they got from, it from. They got it from the Bajoran mud. 
the, his daughter. Right. Not well, from we him, assume though. it's a daughter. We don't know. All they ever did is call well, her Mud. They never said that she was Harry Mud's kid, but we just assume she is. Uh, okay, whatever. Okay, so even less than. Or even, yeah, even less than. So you're making it even a more tenuous connection then, if it's not the daughter. Well, I'm, I'm, I think it's the daughter, but because it's definitely not him. No, it's not him. No, he, no, <laughs> she was a lot cuter. Woman. She was a lot cuter. Yeah, she was. <laughs> Those, that wrinkled nose, earring. Right. But no, I like I like that the ship is the same. It's it's the the mud ship from the last movie. I, yeah, it's uh, kind of flat. Doesn't have nacelles sticking out. You know, nothing like that. So, uh, can I um, can I go on like a little nitpick here? Do it. All right. So, last issue, issue number fifty, there was this gorgeous shot, two-page spread, of the Enterprise, USS Enterprise, meeting up with its darker painted counterpart from this universe, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And both of the Spock saying fascinating, um, and clearly, clearly on. The Mirror Universe ship, it says ICC-1701 on both of the nacelles and on the saucer section, which we didn't really talk about in the, in the podcast last week. But that is a little different than what's in the uh, classic TV show, because in the classic TV show, it was always ISS, right? So it yep. was always the ISS Enterprise was the Mirror Universe and the in or the USS was the um, – or the uh, – NCC was the uh, prime yes. universe. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, uh, offline, we were like, yeah, it's kind of cool that they changed that up, uh, you know, to show that this is, you know, this is just another interpretation of what we consider the mirror universe. Saying that, mm-hmm. in this issue, they start referring to it again as the ISS Enterprise. They never show a glorious shot like that of the actual hole and stuff, but in all the word bubbles when it's like, meanwhile, um, it says ISS Enterprise, and it does it again in the next issue, too. So the only time it's referred to as ICC Enterprise is that one two-page spread. So which one is it? Which one's right? Um, I would say ICC. Um from the first issue of this series. But uh, yes, it does sound a bit confusing, doesn't it? Right. So obviously it was supposed to be ISS. I'm assuming that they wanted it to be the quote-unquote normal mirror universe mm. with ISS, but somehow the the artist... Mm. Maybe he originally did it as NCC and they had to just kind of fudge the I to an N. I mean, that would be pretty easy enough. I mean, the N to an I. Um, okay. I didn't think anybody okay, would so, notice. Okay, there are different. Let's back up a second. There's a difference. There's a difference between registry numbers of ships and. Uh, okay, so you're saying okay, like so, USS Enterprise versus. Yeah. Uh, okay, I got you. versus versus the registry number, which is the NCC seventeen oh one. So. The registry number, okay, so it's the ISS Enterprise with a registry number of ICC-1701. That was in the original show, or that was in this one. That's, okay. Okay, that's in this issue, definitely. And in the previous issue, 
I will bet you dollars to donuts on the saucer section. It says ICC 1701. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't see it. It's too tiny. Oh. But I, I okay, will agree well, with you. That's possibly it. So I, I might be just completely Okay, aware. well, I just opened up issue 50. Yep. And I... And it's got ICC seventeen oh one registry number. Yep. So I know that. I, I, I it's too small for me to see the ISS Enterprise. Right. That part, but I can definitely see the registry number in the previous issue. Right. All right. So yeah, obviously I'm I'm just way off. So, well, no, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's there confusing is a between USS Enterprise and NCC one seven oh one. Yeah. So. It, uh, what was the old Enterprise? Well, in the old Mirror Universe, what was it? Ah! <laughs> I would have to look. I don't... Um, I would have to... You don't have a model sitting there next to you of the old one? Well, not the old Mirror Universe Enterprise, no. So, in the in the old show... I just pulled it up. Okay. Thanks to, thanks to Google. Okay. Uh, the, and they had a glorious shot of the... Of the saucer section, it's the ISS oh, Enterprise NCC one seven zero one. So it was actually NCC back then. I I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the registry number of the uh, evil. Uh, but then on evil Enterprise, universe. but if you Enterprise, you said you it just was ISS Enterprise. Okay, and what was the registry number? NX zero one. So that doesn't. Oh help. well, it doesn't count. That doesn't help much. That doesn't help much. Uh, well, what about, uh, yeah, 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 I I don't know. So we, we could, I mean, completely, you are right. Our theory about this being, this must be yet another dimension. We could be totally wrong, but I don't, uh, we, we would have to, well, how about the, um, okay. So how about the DC comics, Star Trek, where they did go back and they tangled with, um, with Evil Kirk. I mean, if we did some research and went and found that issue and took a look at the, at the pictures of that evil enterprise, which was, I think, wasn't, it, wasn't that A? Right. Enterprise. We well, could, actually, no, it was B. It was, oh, was it B? Excelsior B. Because it well, no, no. had been destroyed. Uh, okay. Evil Kirk came into our universe with uh, Constitution class refit enterprise from their universe. We had the... Our Kirk had the Excelsior, or right. Excelsior, okay, yeah, right? Right, right, right. So I guess we could look at that, but that ultimately doesn't tell us what was in Taz. But if that said ISS Enterprise, ICC 1701, that would probably be a good indication that they're not changing things. Yeah. Well, they are cha- they're changing things. Everything that I've seen, including all of the Diamond Select toys of the Mirror Universe, always says... USS Enterprise, I mean ISS Enterprise NCC one seven zero one. Oh, okay, okay. Well, and Diamond Select Toys would not make a mistake. Oh, <laughs> I love Diamond Select Toys. By the way, could I give a plug to those people? Man, oh, they're fantastic. They do wonderful things. Wonderful things. Um, yeah. Love their ships. I think I mentioned it before, but I had an old Enterprise that had a broken base, and I, I contacted them just to see if I could buy another base, right? Because it's yeah. not their fault; it broke. Right, and they just mailed me a new one. They're like, "Hey, it happens. Here's a new one." That's you know? cool. And so I, I was like, "Man, that, that's fantastic customer service." Yeah, and I got I got to do the same thing for my um, NX01 Enterprise because over the years the base, which is kind of a fragile thing, 
I don't think it was a very durable design. It has broken over time. And it, right. it wasn't because it was dropped or anything. It's just because for years it's been sitting on that spindly little base. Right. So I personally think it's a good thing that they're doing that because that wasn't the greatest design in the world. Anyway, I think they've got much better uh, base designs now. Um, anyway. Like for the, for the newer the yeah. movie-verse ships? Uh, yeah, the movie ship. Uh, I've got an Enterprise-E from them. Great, solid base. This thing will never break. Um, I've got an Excel or rather an Enterprise B, which is beautiful. It's really a nice job they did on it, and that base is solid. That'll never break. But my old old um, NX01, the base is very spindly. Right. right. All right. So, so anyways, so uh, so yes, so I was wrong a little bit, but right a little bit. So. <laughs> Cool. But it is definitely confusing when it the is registry confusing. said ICC, and then in all the text, it's calling it the ISS Enterprise. But I get where it right. is now. Right, 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 right. Okay. Anyways, all right, that's my soapbox, which was obviously a faulty stand to be standing on. Well, no, it's uh, it was confusing. Anyway, so um, so kind of... I, I thought it was kind of odd that Kirk is so resistant to believing that they are in a different reality. Um, well, especially since he's had so many exposures to alternate exactly. realities in just this this so far ongoing series. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Yeah. So he even now, he's walking on, on Kronos, and he finally says, Oh, well, I guess I believe it now because I'm not dead, which is a good point. It's a good acid test. But... Um, but man, you you've seen parallel dimension stuff several times before. You've I mean, even mind melded with a parallel universe's version of Spock. So yeah, I mean it's just like it's wow. not that hard to believe. <laughs> not that hard to believe. Yeah, but but even in the next issue, Spock, uh, Kirk is still walking around thinking, "All right, finally, I guess this is not just a joke." Yeah, it's not just been some elaborate prank on that Khan's playing on me. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so let's see. He's already met. He's mind melded with the future Spock from another timeline, another universe. He's uh, met his female counterpart from yep. another universe. Yep. Uh, during that episode, that that storyline, he also met with the Shatner Kirk for a brief time, yeah. and Jordy. So I mean, it's like, how is this new to you? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's like the old TV show, right? Uh... Every episode, reset button. Oh, no. I guess so. It must be it. Okay. That's all so I have anyways. to say about this one. That's well, I got a couple more things. One, you go for it. I was shocked to see Scotty go so fast. <laughs> but and, what, and what a handsome mustache. I love the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. I mean, it, it, it's not a, a Jimmy Doohan mustache. No. And he's got the soul patch going. Right. But you could see that this eventually turning into a Jimmy Doohan uh, mustache on this version of Scotty. I liked it. I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah. And I was sad to see him get, get killed so fast. Yeah, and they're really, um, they're really showing people get cut with big holes in them from phasers. Right. Um, instead of disintegrate mode, it's on... Beam of death that will cut through people's bodies like butter. Right. 
It's a very long label on that setting, but (laughs) it's there. So, uh, yeah, so Scotty gets cut through um, with the beam of death and and Harry Mudd. Oh, and Harry Mudd, yeah. Yeah, so when people – and we'll see something in the not-too-distant future where it happens to another person through the head. So the – yeah. Well, I didn't say who. So I did like the cover. The cover was nice. The shattered it, – it, it was a lot like the um, John Byrne mirror universe mm-hmm. story not too long ago. Yeah. Where he had that broken montage of the, the bridge crew. Right. But this one definitely shows that interesting little hodgepodge of um... – of Spock, of the two different Spocks, even down to the uh, badge. Right. So part of it's... I didn't even notice the badge. On the left portion of the break of the glass is the bottom left of the kind of swooshy uh, Starfleet logo, and on the upper right, top and right, is like more like a star shape, I guess. Is it star shape? It looks like a star shape. Right. Of the uh, of the Empire. Nicely done. So did you mention the uh, alternate cover? I did. Okay, good. Yeah, so that was O'Hara looking sassy and dangerous. Sassy, sexy, and dangerous. And pointing the gun right into Spock's belly. Exactly. So Not, not, not good gun safety there. Not good gun safety. And doesn't it? Um, I think it was even on red, not blue. Um, but... I don't have it. I don't have the picture in front of me, so I can't tell you. What do you mean, not even on red? Well, you know how oh, the oh, oh, the stun setting. It's yeah. It's that's you know you love that part of the, uh, the of little, the reboot the little, phasers. The little part that's sticking. The out nozzle is is blue. Uh, it's red when it's kill, and then is it is it blue? It's blue in the picture. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, I guess she isn't all evil. <laughs> at least she's got it on stun. So do you think they're still lovers in this version? They seem to be. Yeah, they seem to be. Well, definitely that cover insinuates it. Right. I wasn't, but they never say they are, so I wasn't um, sure. But I was kind of getting that Did vibe. she, did she, went? well, I can't, okay. Not in this issue. <laughs> There's things that might happen in a later issue that would, maybe the next one, that might say something one way or the other. I don't, I don't remember that detail, though. Right. All right, well, you want to go ahead and jump into the third one? Let's do it. All right, so this is the conclusion of Live, Live, Part 3 of 3. Um, it came out December of 2015 and is issue number 52 of the Star Trek Ongoing. Uh, the writing and art staff is all the same from the previous issue, with the exception of letters this time being by Chris Mallory. So the cover... Shows a long-haired con reaching out towards the reader. And we can see the Enterprise uh, depicted above him. And then the alternate cover is a very interesting one this week. Or this month. It is the Archie cover. So we have Archie as Captain Kirk. Uh, I believe it's Betty. Or maybe Veronica. Both Betty and Veronica are wearing red yeoman uniforms. Uh, we have Jughead as Spock. 
maybe Kevin as uh, maybe Sulu. I don't know. And then some other guy, which I'm not familiar with because I don't read Archie as uh, a uh, version of McCoy. And then behind them is the Enterprise. And then behind that is what looks like Saturn and maybe Jupiter. It's an interesting cover, especially if you're a big fan of Archie and Star Trek. So the story starts off with two Kirks, both with phasers drawn and pointed at each other with that poor Klingon in between them. Uh, between everybody there, they all kind of piece together what happened, and they all agree that this is indeed an alternate reality and not just some elaborate joke. They confirm that the Ion Cloud was the culprit. The old Klingon tells them that the Ion Storm is still out there, but it is dissipating soon. The Kirks must now work together in order to get both of their Enterprises back. Back on Vulcan, evil Spock is showing our Spock the grave of their mother. He tells them that in this reality, she was part of the resistance and killed. Back on the Botany Bay, the Kirks and Khan arrive at Vulcan and find the ISS version of the Enterprise there. Kirk, Zara, McCoy, Ahura, and the evil Kirk are getting ready to beam over. The evil Kirk is forced to agree not to kill anyone even the evil Spock. They beam over to the bridge and surprise the crew there. Evil Kirk proves his evilness by shooting evil Spock in the head with a phaser that is not set to stun. Good Kirk wrestles the phaser away from his doppelganger while good Spock nerve pinches evil Uhura. None of the other crew attack or retaliate in any way. Evil Kirk does not understand why the good crew is questioning this. Why would they attack? They know the rules. Whoever kills the captain is the captain. Saying this, he makes himself comfortable in the command chair. Suddenly, the USS Enterprise arrives with Mirror Chekhov in command. He has killed the Mirror Sulu and Scotty to get his first command. Evil Kirk tells the young man that he needs to give back the ship to the real Kirk. When Chekhov refuses, Mirror McCoy shows up and jabs a hypo into his neck, knocking him out. The one-eyed doctor tells his captain that he's ready to beam over back to his real ship. This one is just too clean for his tastes. Once all the crew are back in their correct ships, the USS Enterprise heads out towards the cloud. As they depart, Evil Kirk plans to destroy them. Before he can do so, the Botany Bay decloaks and fires on the ISS Enterprise. He tells Kirk to go, which Kirk reluctantly does. They travel back to their own universe, not knowing the final fate of this universe's con. Later, Kirk and Spock discuss the events, and they hope not to touch base with this universe again for at least a few centuries. The end. It seems like another quick. It, the ending seemed kind of quick, very abrupt to me. Yes. Yeah. So we're cruising along, and all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, we're done. Right. And we're all back in our right universes, which yeah, is I another. Yeah. I could have used another issue of this. Yeah. Um. And you know, again, you know, before when the Enterprise was like in a different quadrant. And they were dealing with that syndicate thing. 
Right. And then you think, oh, my God, they're like in another, you know, Voyager situation. It's going to take them a long time to get back to uh, uh, the Alpha Quadrant. And, like, the next next issue, oh, we're back. Yay. Hey. We're not going to explain anything. So right. it's kind of like this, where it's like uh, pretty handy that that ion cloud that you just got back to in time happened to deposit you exactly in the right dimension, or at least close enough. Right. Yes. Exactly. That's that's my point. I mean, yeah, it was funny that they were going to write off the ion cloud in the first issue in issue fifty. Yeah. You know, when they just thought it took them to another part of the universe. Uh. Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. well, we're in a different quad. We're in a different. Solar system. Yeah. Let's just go back before we... Yeah, and let, let's not tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they're already that comfortable with this magic cloud that they weren't going to investigate it when it first happened, and yeah. then all of a sudden, because some Klingon tells them to just to get back into it, and you'll automatically go back to your real universe. Right. And then it magically does. I'm just like, man, that's convenient. Yeah, yeah, it's convenient. So you, you, you already had your adventure. You know, it's kind of like the Doctor Who cross, Star Trek crossover. It's like, let's not worry too much about how it came to be. Although they did explain it. They took a shot at it anyway. Right. Um, so let's just have fun. Yeah, have fun. And then we're all back in the places we should. And we're not going to really worry about it too much. Right. So that's really what they're doing. And that's fine. I just, I don't know. It's just, it, it's fine. I accept it. Yeah, no, it's fine. But, I love the cloud idea. I thought that was an interesting take on how to get them to cross over. Right. You know, it's not, you know, like with the Green Lantern one we read last week or last uh, couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to have some sort of some sort of magical reason as to why these these universes are crossing over. Right. And you can't use the same one. It can't be a transporter accident every single time. Right. And, Although I do like. The transporter, the original transporter idea. Well, because they were beaming up at the exact same time in both universes, and somehow they got crossed over. Right, and I'm pretty sure there was some kind of ion storm going on. Some sort of storm, yeah. Right, some sort of storm, and I thought it was ion, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I so, um, so I kind of like the idea of, you know, you're already disassembled <laughs> in a <laughs> data stream or whatever the heck a transporter is supposed to be. So... Um, I kind of bought that more than, you know, the, oh, we're in an ion storm. Oh, we're out of an ion storm. Oh, and we're someplace else. Anyway, right. Whatever. Exactly. But whatever. The main thing is, it was fun. It was a fun little romp. I guess the ion storm takes the place of having those two different uh, ships creating yes. a little transwarp bubble inside yes. of around yes. the ship or having a or having amazingly magic amazing magical transwarp nacelles or whatever right. whatever the excel or excelsior has don't you just love comic books i love comic books <laughs> i mean just the, just the stuff that they come up with yeah and well the main know, thing e- is even though we may poke fun at it but yeah. i love it yeah i, I, I do too I think it's fantastic. Yeah, keep your eye on the ball. We're we're here to have fun. Let's not right. cut things apart too much. Yeah, so... No, I definitely could have used another issue of this just to flush out maybe this, this fight and to, uh, you know... Heck, I, I, I wouldn't have been opposed to if they thought they were going to their real universe and then, 
you know, ending up in the Archie universe. Like this cover implies that we're going ah! No. <laughs> Never. And you know that ticks me off. Right. So what did you think when you saw that as the cover of issue number 52? Well, I saw it uh, because originally I think you posted it or something on Facebook or something. I can't remember. Either you did or it was Brian, one of the two of you. Like, ah! I think it was me because I know you love Archie so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I do like the bit of continuity, which is pretty cool. Where they again back to phasers because I'm kind of I kind of dig on weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, where they have at the beginning of this issue, near the beginning of this issue, where Good Kirk and Evil Kirk are holding phasers on each other. Of course, Evil Kirk has it set to kill, and Good Kirk, of course, has it set to, st- to stun, as you can see from the colors of the um, phaser barrels. Right. So, I like that. Yeah, I didn't even notice the coloring differences. Yeah. Uh, so, handy that the Botany Bay has a cloaking device? Why not? They went to Kronos. They have cloaking devices. I know, but geez, how, how well do you want to... Okay, so Khan, okay, Khan is just a colonist, supposedly, and you're going to be, I mean, how did he, so he's got warp nacelles from somewhere, and they look like Federation technology, so I don't know where he got those, because he didn't have them at first, and then he's got a cloaking device, so that's probably from the Klingons, Uh, but it's like, if they're colonists, why are you... Right. Why, I mean, and, and even, he even has phasers, right? So it's fighting at the end. Yeah, no, it's fighting at the end and, and maybe even holding its own. Yeah, so uh, this thing's been majorly upgraded for these guys just being colonists. Well, not only colonists, but they're pacifist colonists. Yeah. So right. they mention many times that he's a pacifist and only out for peace uh, along with his uh, Klingon brethren. Right. Um, so yeah, why would he be armed to the teeth like that? Yeah. Okay. Although I did like his comment when, when Kirk was like, I thought you were a pacifist. And he's like, I am, but I, I will admit that I, uh, I like irritating the empire a little bit. Uh huh. I thought that was actually pretty funny. Yeah. But then he does take it a little farther when he's actually engaging in a battle. Yeah. Well, and self-sacrifice of him and his people. He's a very noble man. He is, again, the mirror universe idea. Just the opposite of our con. So I haven't seen Zoolander yet, but every time I saw this version of Benedict Cumberbatch with uh, the long hair, uh, it makes me think of his character in Zoolander 2, where he plays a androgynous supermodel with long hair. Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch is in Zoolander? Zoolander 2. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. Uh, Martin Freeman is too, so uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays the uh, this like new supermodel uh-huh. but that looks both male and female, uh. and he has like long hair, and his eyebrows are all shaved off. Has, and, uh, has he been in the um, previews? In the trailers? Uh, he was in I at don't... least one. I haven't seen it, but I, I, gotta, I didn't see the first Zoolander 
I'm sure there's lots of funny things you, he does. You might need to watch it just because there are a couple of Star Trek references. Cause, oh, uh, always, because he's a fan. Yeah. So the the main villain, Will yeah. Ferrell's character, right. his yeah. name is Mugatu. <laughs> and when you first see him, he's wearing this big woolly uh, vest, this white woolly vest. Uh-huh. His name is Mugatu. I was like, oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> a little something for the fans out there, the Star Trek right. fans. So who That's who all is going to get that joke? It's Star Trek fans. Right. Taz fans. Taz fans, you next-gen person. Yeah, Mugatu never made it to the next-gen, did he? No. Nope. And we if haven't... We have, if we could have a Horta as a crew member on one of the oh, Enterprises, That's... why can't we have a Mugatu Sitting... crew member? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if we could have a Horta... Like sitting at the con, uh, yeah, yeah. That we should have that. Yeah, make it so IDW. Uh, it so. I, I'm looking forward to seeing if a Mugatu shows up eventually on the reboot universe. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That would be interesting. Would they do it as cheesy? I don't know. Oh, they have to. <laughs> no, they would all be CG. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I don't one. either, except for. Uh, I guess I have two things. One, the color scheme of the 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 black Enterprise. Yeah, which I really love, isn't that black. I love the black and red. I thought I thought that was a good good contrast on each other. So the all the lights and the nacelle and the engineering, you know, the deflector dish, all highlighted in in red. Good contrast to the the darker colored hole. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking at a, a picture. Towards the end, right? And in a similar way, um, crew member 544 or whatever the heck is. Oh, right, is. right. He's got the red eyes, too, and instead the red, of blue eyes. Yeah, the red at the back of his head. Right, right. And his eyes. Right. Yeah. That's because he's a mirror. Because he doesn't exactly. grow facial hair. Because he's evil. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He can't, he can't grow facial hair, so you want to have something to tell you, ooh, he's evil. Red eyes, that does it. So, and then my last comment was, you know, they, they mentioned that this cloud shows up every couple hundred years or whatever. Right. And it just made me wonder if IDW would ever be willing to do a uh, next-gen crossover. That way. Yeah. So They got it teed up, don't they? Right. You could totally do a, uh, you know, how they've had the ongoing crossover to... Deep Space Nine, another mirror universe crossover that this version of Kirk has had exposure to. Hmm. Um, you could potentially have, what if they did like the prime next gen universe crossing over with this mirror, this version of the mirror universe? That would be kind of interesting. I, there are so many things you can do with this, isn't there? Mixing and matching. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with the TV series, the new TV series. So Right. Yeah, is it going to be set in the Kirk time frame, or is it going? Are they going to go straight to next gen? I, I don't know, but I would, I would think that if they did make it in the same time period and the same, well, the same time period, the same universe, reboot universe, that the movies and the movie and the TV show could reinforce each other. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if it was like a totally different kind of thing going on, either next gen or whatever, not so much. Right. And if it is a next gen thing, 
then you're always going to have the same problem you had with next gen was we can't really ever reference Kirk or Spock because we don't know what they're going to do in the later movies. Mm, yeah. Right. Unless you want to say something about something that's happened already. But, right. you know, Riker every once in a while makes a re- – well, once in a while. At oh, least yeah, once like when he they makes did a the reference. Naked, naked Space or the Naked Time yeah. reboot right. episode and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they mentioned it, but I'm just saying, aside from McCoy showing up and – Oh, right, right. So we know, we know McCoy survives. That's right. Spock, Spock and Scotty didn't show up until later, much right. later. Right, right. Anyway – so we'll see what happens with the with the TV show. Have we, you know, this is this is like everybody knows about this, but is it is it Fuller? Is it Brian Fuller? Yeah, Brian Fuller, um, producer of uh, an old writer for uh, was it Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine. So an old writer on Deep Space Nine. He might have done some stuff with Voyager too, uh, but he is an he is a second producer who's going to be involved in the new TV show. Um, along with, um, Kurtzman. Yep. Kurtzman. Okay. One of the co-writers on the original reboot movie, uh, 2009 movie. So, uh, I think they have some good people there, uh, creating the series. Yeah. I just hope CBS gives them, gives them the, gives them what they need to get it done. Right. I'm a little worried about putting it on CBS all access. Just. It's like I don't know if you're going to get the get enough viewers, <laughs> and then they're going to be like, "Hey, cancel or slash the nah. budget." For well, well, okay. So the next movie has to do well. So that that's assured, you know. Right. I mean, it, it has to do well enough anyway. It can't be a big flop. So let's let's hope that that happens, and then. And then even if the uh, all-access CBS thing doesn't work out as well, they can always move it into syndication or other kinds of... Uh, yeah, put it on the CW. Right. So, I mean, they'll probably do that anyway. I mean, it'll be an exclusive on the all-access CBS service, and then at some point, they'll, they'll let the, you know, uh, maybe the episodes will be out for six months or something, and they'll start filtering them into... Uh, into some something else, some other way that people can get them, right? Um, Including overpriced DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I even think before the DVDs or Blu-rays come out, um, that that they'll they'll make them available through other means, like maybe Netflix or something. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll find out. I'm sure they're going to want to milk the people subscribing to all accesses. Well, that they've stated that, so yeah. th- that's going to be their their stick. You want Star Trek? You got to pay us directly right. on this. this that, that'll help make that all access access play uh, more successful theoretically. Exactly. Okay. Well, whatever. Just so they're producing it. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, we'll we'll get it eventually. All right. We got one more issue there, Ken. Let's do it. Fifty-three. Yeah, number fifty-three. Uh, this is a new storyline. Its title is Reunion, Part One of Two. Published date is January of twenty sixteen. Um, many of the same people are involved in this one, but let's do it. Writer Mike Johnson, story consultant Roberto Orsi, uh, art Tony Shastein, colors David Mastrolanardo, letterer Chris, Chris Mari, editor Sarah Gatos. Cover A shows Kai, the Enterprise's Orion security officer, pointing a phaser 
at an unknown threat. The lovely Orion Gila is on the left side of the cover. Kirk's head is in profile in the lower right quadrant of the cover. The title, Reunion, is in green text in the bottom left. The subscription cover shows brother and sister Kai and Gyla back-to-back holding phasers at the ready. The Enterprise is streaking around them and at the reader. On Vondum, the Orion homeworld, Via, the leader of the most powerful of the eight ruling families, is busy offering her young daughter Gyla to a visiting leader of the insectoid Picari race. Via is offering her only daughter to wed an insect to cement a political alliance. Suddenly, a beam of directed energy cuts the Pakari leader in half. It's Gyla's father and several supporters who are behind the attack. Gyla runs to her father, as does her brother Kai. Their power-hungry mother, Via, calls after them and orders her guards to stop them. Luckily, they have the aim of stormtroopers in Episode 4, and they escape. But not before Via vows to follow them to wherever they run. Fourteen years later, the USS Tereshkova is rendezvousing with the USS Enterprise, a rare treat for the old exploratory vessel to meet up with the flagship of Starfleet. This is a chance for the ship's crews to interact after the relative isolation of the two ships on long deep space missions, and in some instances, a chance for family to reunite. Gyla is walking across a large rec room on the Tereshkova to her visiting brother Kai. The large Enterprise security officer welcomes his kid sister, and they start catching up. Ohura joins them. They reminisce about being roommates at Starfleet Academy. Gyla asks when she can visit the Enterprise, and Ohura says, why not now, then hesitates. Gyla says she understands Ohura's hesitation, but it'll be okay if we bumped into you-know-who. Meanwhile on the Enterprise, Kirk is meeting the captain of the Tereshkova, Captain Campbell, in his ready room. After a brief chat, Kirk takes her onto the bridge to take a tour and to sit at the con. As they enter, they find that Gyla is already seated at the con. She gets up uncomfortably, but Kirk is cool about it, and then they greet each other, switching in mid-sentences from first names to their formal titles to align with their post-academy realities. Cut to the Tereshkova rec room. Gyla's head is on the table with embarrassment. Ahura and Kai are consoling each other as she frets about her captain having her head for the incident. Kai suggests she request a transfer to the Enterprise. He says it would have made Father happy to know they are serving together. Gyla says she wishes Father could see how far they've come. Kai was the first Orion to join Starfleet. A flashback commences showing a family tiff when Gyla told her father of her intentions to follow her brother into Starfleet. He did not like the idea. Multiple objections were leveled, including Gyla being among so many humans and other species that are influenced by her pheronomic abilities, would cause all kinds of problems. Gyla says she can control her pheromones and asks what 
are his real issues. Father explains how grateful he is that the earth offered them sanctuary and does not want to do anything that would jeopardize their relationship with the host world. Kyla says her father can't control what she does with her future now that she is an adult. Kai steps up to support his sister's decision. Apparently, dad backed down and she joined. They are grateful for their father getting out of the horrible life her, their mother was setting them up to live. Suddenly, all over the ship, Kirk's voice is heard briefing the crew that they have a distress call they must react to immediately. All crew need to stay on the ship. They are currently on for now, as they need to go to warp immediately to answer a distress call. Both ships come out of warp to find nothing. No ship in distress. Both ships are hit by a powerful directed energy blast from the port direction. Shields are up, but down to 70%. They look on the view screen as six ships decloak all around them. They're Orion. Jerath of Vandam, Vandem introduces himself over a comms channel. They essentially say, We are great, and you suck, so don't get in our way or attempt to follow us. Kirk is pissed over this and says this is an act of war the Orion Syndicate is committing. Jerath claims they do not represent the Orion Syndicate. Suddenly, in different parts of the ship, Gyla and Kai are transported off against their will. The Orion ships go to warp with their kidnapped pair. On the lead Orion ship, security guards point energy weapons at Kai and Gyla. Kai says, you kill us and you start a war. Kai asks, why are you doing this? A voice from behind says, because I asked them to. It's their mother who says she has been ever so patient. It's time to go home. To be continued. Yeah, I was surprised to find that the uh, only two Orions we really know in this universe happen to be related. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but finding out that Kai is the first Orion that joined uh, Starfleet uh, kind of explains it. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, we talked about it, like, when uh, the movie came out, that you know there was no... Orions in Starfleet that we knew of in, in the normal universe. Right. Uh, so, so it's nice to know that it's, it's actually a new thing here too. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of explains, um, in the comic book, we see Kai. I don't think we saw him in the movies. Um, I don't think so. But of course we did see, uh, Gyla quite mm-hmm. beguilingly, uh, in the original, uh, reboot movie. So, um, kind of interesting that they tied them together, um, and have this story. So, right. Yeah, no, and, and I like the story. I mean, it's, it's a good story as far as, I mean, they're kind of implying that, you know, that, that maybe her mom, the leader of whatever, whatever. Yeah. Was the, was the beginning of the whole Orion slave trade type thing or at least a big proponent of it. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's part of, I'm sure that's part of the way that she got her, uh, <laughs> built up the family's, um, wealth. Right. And power. Given off her kids. Well, well, that wasn't 
was that slavery as much as just a political move? I don't know. The way the dad talks about it, it, it was slavery. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but I guess if it was your kid mm, that was being forced to be a concubine to a, a praying mantis, you might see it that way. Mm, yeah. So obviously the mom's a power-hungry poop head. She's no good. No. She is not nice at all. She will not win Mother of the Year th- this year or any year. No. She better not have a world's greatest mom mug. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't think so. Um, something I did not do in the opening synopsis, which I thought was really cool in the book, is they went ahead and started from – they introduced you to the Orion homeworld by way of um, – uh, of astrogeography or whatever. So they start out telling you that um, they started with the Orion constellation, right? Right. And then they went to the Al Nilam star system, which actually is in the Orion constellation. Um, and then they go from there down to the planet within the Al Nilam star system, they go to the planet. Vandum, and that's probably where the, uh, you know, where artistic license takes over from reality. Right. And then they talk about the Maurin Air Chipelago. Chipelago. Yeah, I didn't care for that part. Right. So I, I, yeah, let's get to that. But I thought it was really interesting. They started out with a real constellation. Mm-hmm. They went down to a real star system. And then, you know, uh, odds are they don't. You know, they don't know what planets are around <laughs> right. that star. Odds are, I mean, they, they scientists do have ways of of identifying planets, as we all have been hearing over the past five years or so. But probably they haven't identified the planet Vondum yet. So right, and if they cool. did, I'm pretty sure they haven't found floating islands. In <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about the Archipelago. So yes, it is flo- it's it's a chunk of land floating above the water. Above the water? That's water yep. underneath, right? That's water underneath. Yeah. Yeah, it really reminded me of the what was it? Unobtainable uh, unobtainium? That- yeah, from Avatar that could make rocks float. Oh, is that what did that? Isn't it? I thought so. I don't oh, know. Okay. I've only seen Avatar once, so yeah. yeah. Don't don't quote me on anything, but Yeah. You're probably right about that. There was floating mountains and stuff in Avatar, right? There was. Yeah. There was. That was really weird. Yeah. I'm not not a fan of that. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right. They've got unobtainium inside of this uh, this, uh, Chipelico. Does that mean there's going to be an Orion Avatar crossover here? I don't. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if you look closer on that that planet, they've got blue as well as green people. It's possible. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, Al, Al Nilum mm-hmm. is a large blue supergiant star some 1,340 light years distance from Earth in the constellation of Orion. So those three stars that make up Orion's belt, I, I assume that they're really far away from each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. They just look close when you look up in the sky. Yeah. Right. But, so, no, but, they're nowhere near each other. But, 
you know, one thing that that kind of bugged me was when it said the star system Anellum, which I assumed was the name of the star itself, yes. whichever one Orion Homeworld was on. Right. Um, but you can see the other three, so I would think that once you got close enough where you were in the solar system of one of them, the the other two would look still really far away. It would oh, be a, like us looking at Alpha Centauri or something like that. Completely. So that 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 also was a little bit of artistic license where you could still see at least two of the stars once you're in the solar system of of one or one of them. Oh, was that what they were trying to say? I don't know. I mean, you say you're inside the star system, right? Well, okay, but oh, it's like saying you're in the soul system, right? I mean, yeah, but but I don't know that they really meant to insinuate. Maybe they did mean to insinuate that, which makes no sense if they were. Yeah, maybe they were just um, kind of doing a close up. They don't say they're actually in the system. They're just saying, "Hey, this is the uh, the star." So okay, it doesn't say you're in the star system. So I'll give yeah, them a pass. Right. So yeah, yeah. When we look at constellations, definitely everything kind of flattens out. It looks like they're all three stars would be at the same distance, but they're right. probably at vastly different distances. Right. From from us. Yeah, so it was kind of it was kind of a little astronomy class, and I kind of liked that because obviously Orion's their name was taken from you know the constellation, which I thought was kind of cool. Can I admit something? I yeah. never, I never put two and two together. I never once thought the Orions were from the a star in the Orion Belt. <laughs> well, I, is, that, is that bad? No, that's not bad at all. I mean, I <laughs> I didn't think about it that much. Um. Uh, I didn't think about it actively. I mean, did it occur to me that they could have been from the Orion constellation? Maybe, but I, I must admit also, I really didn't think about it that much until uh, this issue. Right. Same here. Yeah. So, no, that's not bad. Come on, man. Um, another thing that was kind of interesting, the Orion ships have that weird-looking circle on it. So they got this big... Stargate-looking O thing stuck on them, on the ship. Right. On the back of the ship. So is that their drive system somehow? I'm not sure. But uh, definitely when they show some close-ups of the Orion ships, that O-shaped thing uh, looks a lot like a Stargate, complete with the chevrons that are at, you know, that are arrayed around the circle. Yeah, the lights. Uh, little bites. Yeah, little triangles taken. Little yeah, yeah. yeah they're right. called it, chevrons? Chevrons. Uh, on, on Stargate, they're called chevrons. <laughs> um, so, and they look they look a lot like them. But, so. So in the, uh, in Star Trek Enterprise, didn't the Vulcan ships kind of have that same circular design in the back? Um... They had a circular design, but not quite the same way. Right. I mean, I know it so, wasn't exactly, but I thought right. maybe it was just close. Cause, right, because wasn't it more like um, they had the kind of circle thing, and then they had the ship inside the circle, more or less? Is that what it was? I'll have to go I think. relook. I think, yeah. I've got a ornament, but I don't have... <laughs> I've got a Vulcan ship ornament, but I, I don't have that handy. It's in boxes. Yeah, it's but, definitely an interesting look. Yes. It, it's, it's interesting, and it's different. Uh, it's kind of nice that not every ship looks the same. Right. This is a different planet, different technology. They could look completely different. There's no reason they have to look like a 
like a Federation ship. So Right. But speaking of ships that look the same but a little different. What? Uh, doesn't the Terrascova look a lot like the Reliant? Uh, well, it's an interesting combination of the Reliant and the um, the Kelvin. With the engineering section? Well, the engines look like the Kelvin's engines, to me. Well, the Kelvin only had one engine. Yeah, yeah yes, yes, I agree. But okay. if you look at the engines, they look like the ones, they look, they look like the engine that came off the Kelvin, to me. Okay. Right. But definitely, yeah, there's three of them here where the Kelvin only had one. Um, so, but so every- is that middle one not the engineering section? I thought that was just the engineering section. It's an actual engine? Well, if you look at it, it looks like – I'm looking at the first time you see the, the Tereshkova. Right. And the middle one has a blue glowing back to it, just like the, uh, the outboard one or right. the, the one to the right. So I thought they were three engines. Hmm. So it should be faster. Well, but it's old, so who knows? It's an old ship, supposedly. Or they get, I think they explicitly said it was older. But hmm. I just thought it was cool. I thought it was a, a nice little, this is the reboot version of the Reliant. Right. That's the way I took it. Yeah. Right. Only it's got three things. Three tubular things of which I maintain our engines, but so the Reliant only had the two. It had two engines. Oh, okay, right. okay. And then the engineering section was really small, like actually kind of like uh, like Enterprise uh, NX zero one. It was that little bridge thing between the two nacelles, like here where that third nacelle is coming out of. Is that where the engineering section is on the real Reliant? Um. If I okay, if I remember correctly, on the Reliant, and, and actually I am looking at a, a small model of the Reliant right now. I'm pretty sure the engineering section is in that um, that like pod that is above the saucer section on like these struts. Right. That or else it's. I I, I must admit I, I can't be 100 percent sure. That or else it's a dedicated um, weapons pod. Because I know that um, that photon torpedoes come out of that part too. Anyway, whatever. The main point is, um, it's either it either it doesn't have a traditional um, engineering section that's separated from the saucer section and the nacelles, or it's on this thing in the top, right? Which looks a little bit like the small engineering section of the Enterprise. And X zero one, right? Anyway. Yeah, I wish I wish it looked more like the NX zero one, like the reset. That would have been pretty cool. Then it would really be old. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a nice design. I liked it. So, speaking of old, mm-hmm. what do you think of the the kitchen scene between the 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 Orion family when he's saying, "Oh well, as long as you live under my roof." <laughs> did it look like a modern day sitcom? A bit. It did. And even the refrigerator looked like, you know, something you could go to the store right now and buy, except yeah. except it had the the L cars touchscreen thing. Right. And it looked and when they show the outside at the neighborhood, it looked like they were in Florida or something. 
Yeah, aren't they in the you Bahamas know, palm, or something? Palm trees and everything. Did they actually say Bahamas? Yeah, okay, I guess in, that would make sense. They're in the Bahamas. Okay. But, I mean, it almost looks like Cocoa Beach or something. They got the uh, they got the homes that are all kind of... Uh, look, well, at least the one in the middle looks a little bit contemporary. The other ones are like boxes on top of each other that are multiple right. floors. But their and, clothes are very contemporary. Oh, yeah. They, they, they've got like... Well, at least Kai looks like he's kind of sort of got a uh, a short sleeve polo shirt on. Right. And then the dad is just wearing a like a Hawaii, you know, just a just a loose button down. He's right. She's wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. And he's with got sandals. Yeah. He's got flip-flops on. It's casual, man. It's casual. And that's really So what do you think of the, the refrigerator? It, that's the first time we've seen that that um well, do you know it's design. a ref- you, what's that do you know it's a refrigerator it could uh, it could be a personal transportation it's a refrigerator. transporter chamber for all you know it's a refrigerator it's in the kitchen <laughs> well do you know they're in the kitchen did you, were they cooking <laughs> all right that's not what i want to focus on <laughs> no look you're you're the- right it look it looks like a kitchen it looks like a kitchen. But look at the interface on, on the refrigerator. Yeah, it's an L-Cars interface, yes. Have we ever seen that in re- reboot Star Trek? No, of course not. So it's kind of cool. So there are Samsung, I don't know whether it's Samsung or LG, but one of them at CES this year had like a 9-inch LCD panel on the refrigerator. Right. And it's like, what do you really need that for? Well, now we know. We can put an L-Cars display up there. Right. If I get one of those, I'm totally going to... I would do that. Get the L-Cars on there. Yeah. Can I, can I do a, a wallpaper on this? Can, <laughs> I, can I download one? Do you got a USB port here somewhere? Yeah. I, I, would, I would download an L-Cars thing. But anyways, I thought that was cool, the L-Cars thing. Yeah. I don't know why you would need such an interface on a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got it. They make it look like a contemporary thing so much. You got to jazz it up somehow, right? You got to make it look futuristic somehow, right? <laughs> Which is is the whole thing with the clothing. And and I'll admit it was another, it, not really a beef, but kind of like a well, that's not very futuristic type moment I had when I was watching the original Star Trek uh, movie, right? This the the reboot movie, right? With her, when she's in, in bed in that very contemporary-looking bra and stuff. Right. And I'm like, well, that's not a very futuristic uh, item of clothing. And shouldn't it, shouldn't thinking, it be glittery? Well, then I was thinking, well, how, what would a why, future bra well, look like? What would a futuristic bra look like? I don't want cones or anything like <laughs> you've seen in some of the old 50s sci-fi stuff. Cones. So then it got me to thinking, well, maybe not everything has to look futuristic. <laughs> Right. Cro- cl- cl- uh, cones like Frau Blucher had on uh, Young Frankenstein. Um, yeah, maybe they just have force fields there instead. You know? <laughs> you know, just to give a little support without any kind of clothing. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially since uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry had such a hard, had a hard time with zippers. He didn't want to see zippers. Oh, really? He, he yeah. definitely wouldn't want to see, you know, elastic bras. No, no, no. Anyways, I thought it was funny. Right. 
Um, something that was confusing me a little bit, and you might have gotten a little bit of it from the um, from my synopsis. And this is kind of a it's a nit, but there were several scenes in this issue where uh, Gaia or Gaila and Kai and Ohura are all talking together in what looks like a rec room. Now, the first time, it looks like a rec room that actually looks like a bar, quite frankly. It looks like a nightclub. Um, right. And it's on the Tereshkova. I know that because they say, hey, you know, or Gaila says, well, when can I get go to the Enterprise? So it's like, okay, that tells me they're on uh, the Tereshkova. Then later, after the Kirk-Gaila encounter and she's like oh i feel like i've really screwed things up this time um they appear to be in the same rec room that looks like a nightclub right but that time they appear there they definitely have to be on the enterprise right since they get stuck over there exactly right so it's like is it this exactly same do they use the same rec room designs on both ships is that why it looks very much like the same scene Right. Or yeah. reuse what? the set. They reuse the set exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Ten forward on both ships look exactly the same with the same style bar stools. Exactly. Same lighting fixtures. Exactly. It looks like a nightclub. Uh, Where's windows that go nowhere? Actually, now that I look, I I see the mirror ball in both. Okay. They even have the same mirror ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a joke. I didn't see a mirror ball. Well, they do have chandeliers. Yes. Uh, did they? I did. Yeah, not there's some that. sort of hanging down lighting fixture. Okay. Yeah, cool. Cool. Okay. So uh, I guess my last comment is just how uh, the women definitely appear, even though there are slave women, definitely in the Orion society, it definitely appears it's matriarchal. So the, the ladies okay. run things. And especially when they got the guards in, like, almost nothing but, like, little towels around their waists. Right. Which is odd, because, I mean, we always, in the Prime universe, the the real Star Trek-verse, um, I mean, wasn't it that the women were always very scantily clad? Yeah, we didn't get a single scantily well, clad woman in this whole book. Well, because we didn't see any uh, slave women. Oh, we only saw the, the queen and her daughter. Yeah, we just saw the upper crust of, uh, of oh. Orion society. So once you get so high up, you can wear whatever you want to? Uh, well, what do you mean? The, the leader of, a, of one of the, ba- of the big families? Yeah, yeah, you can wear what you want. Even clothing. And not slave girl outfits. Well, I can't wait till we meet the Ferengi in this universe. And if all <laughs> the women are wearing clothing, I'm going to call foul. I, I would too, I would too. <laughs> So I got a question. Yeah. So Kirk and the Terrascanova, they both got hit by blasts, right? Yes. So they have their shields up. Uh, I guess so. So this is another example where in this universe you can beam through shields without any problem at all. Yep. Everybody has that technology. You know? Well, certainly the Orions do. Right. So maybe they got it from um, uh, what's her name's dad? Marcus? Admiral oh, Marcus. Admiral Marcus. shared it with him? Yeah. That would make sense. That would totally make sense. So, 
I didn't really care for that part. I mean, if if everybody can do it, then what's the point of having shields? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and of course, it's Carol Marcus. Yeah, they don't really deal with her that much lately, do they? And I guess once they knew that she wasn't going to be in the third movie, they're just like, well, I'll just quietly phase her out of the books. Ah, so you know for a fact she's not in the third movie. Well, from what I've read, they're going to completely ignore the second movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, whatever. I, yeah, you've said that before. I just... I Wrong. Don't... Foul. I don't, I don't like that. Well, yeah, well, if Pike shows up, which I... I if Pike I shows a... up, I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pissed. I, I was in a panel with uh, at a Comic-Con with Bruce Greenwood not too long ago, and, and he said he's definitely not in the movie, so... He shouldn't be. Yeah, he shouldn't be. I, I I would like him to be, but the weight of his death in the second movie was a very important point. It was a big motivating factor for Kirk, and it was a very, uh, like, oh, man, I like him, and he's dead. It was a very serious moment, um, and if they just popped him back, it's right. like I would never take anything they do in Star Trek movies seriously again. Whew, that's... That's big words. I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, it's bad enough they brought Kirk back to life, but at least we have a Wrath of Khan precedent set. But Right. Yes. But they didn't bring Spock back to life. He's a clone. He's not the real Spock. <laughs> well, yes, but his Katra was brought across to the new body. That's true. And that's what true. really makes Scott. His Contra. Uh, that's right. That's right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else? Nothing. All right. My, my last thing is I did like the little nod to Constellations there in the cover where they kind of in the background, you know, did some Constellations and then they kind of did the outline of the Enterprise as if it was a Constellation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially with the new revelation, at least for me, that Orions are from the Orion Constellation. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that is kind of nice. Yeah, I didn't I mention that. Was that. A good little artistic nod. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. Maybe. That's very nice. I like that. I agree. All right, that's my last comment. Cool. Okay. Well, looking forward to uh, finding out what happens um, with this story and how they get them back. They must get them back. Come on. Just a question of how. They'll get them um, back. They'll get them back. We'll just have to wait a while to figure it out. Exactly. So, what are we doing next week? I really don't know. Oh, uh, we're going to go back to D.C., and we're going to pick up with uh, issues uh, 28 through 30. That's of the uh, Volume 1 D.C. Indeed. Indeed. Cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, some more post-Star uh, Trek three version of Kirk. Right. To see and- how... We should probably be getting close to Star Trek Four, so now we might get to the part where they're kind of retconning what they've done in the comic book so that it'll match up with where they're at in, in Star Trek Four. Or have they already done that? No, they haven't done it yet. So I don't think so. There. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right, cool. Looking forward to that one for sure. Right. So uh, hope you can all join us. And thanks for joining us on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. 
All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star t comic book review at gmail.com. Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic second name book review See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review Did you get the